Hi everyone, this is Rob and welcome to Starfield Pulse episode 11. This was recorded on Wednesday, August 23rd after the first night of Gamescom. This you'll notice is a midweek episode. There were a, quite a few interviews throughout the day with different executives at Microsoft and Bethesda and I thought it was worth recapping the news that they had on Starfield. This episode's a little bit different. It has a lot more viewer interaction. So let me know in the comments below on YouTube what you think, whether you prefer it this way or whether you would just like these chopped up into maybe like little bits of shorts with just the information put out that way instead of like a full length podcast. Or if you prefer the way the Monday night format works where it's mostly just me talking for a half an hour and then the last part of it's viewer interaction because you're going to get a lot of viewer interaction. You're going to get a lot of viewer interaction throughout the entirety of this episode. As always, remember, you can reach me at starfieldpulse at gmail.com with any questions or comments you might have. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate us on all your favorite podcast apps or like and subscribe on YouTube. You also may notice some differences in audio levels between when I'm actually talking and when we hear the interviews. I do apologize for that, and I will make sure to do that better next time. But the interviews will be softer than I am. So for those of you listening on headphones, just be careful you don't turn those too loud. And then I come back to talk and you blow your eardrums out because we definitely don't want that. And I hate that when it happens to me. So that's why I'm making sure to leave this note that you know that there are going to be some differences throughout the episode. I got quite a few things, got some videos to share, so basically recap some interviews that happened. Uh, we had Pete Hines talk to one of the guys from Xbox On, which are basically kind of Xboxes. EU PR people in-house. Uh, Dustin Legary from IGN interviewed Phil as well. The opening quest basically has been completely covered. I have a piece from Rock, Paper, Shotgun and a piece from IGN talking about the same quest, but we get two entirely different tones out of it. And then I have another thing from RPS, aka Rock, Paper, Shotgun, that kind of confirms, I don't want to say they have, a, they have a bias, but they definitely have a slant. It feels like when it's coming to Starfield, like they already just have it in for it. Kind of feels like, I don't think that's true, but it sure looks like that. And then there's some, some tweets out there. There was a giveaway going on from AMD. I got two friends that work over at AMD. So I always like to kind of uh, talk about when they have things going on give them some love from all the uh, things they've done for me throughout the years. Uh, the ESA made, now I'm not sure that the ESA made this, but the ESA tweeted this out earlier. They have a astronaut suit on display, uh, which is pretty cool. And then we have, there was a picture basically talking about the fallout TV series coming to Amazon prime. And finally we have that Adam Savage video, uh, the second part. So last night when we were talking about the Adam Savage video when they were making the ship, well, part two of that come out, and I have not watched any, so anything we see on it will be new to me. But yeah, so quite a lot of stuff just in the last day. And, you know, that's the beauty of uh, these conventions. And we still have packs. <laughs> Packs is going to come. Um, but I think by that point, the game will be in early access, so I don't think there's going to be too much going on there. But I did finally preload 
Starfield on my PC today. Uh, it is at version 1.6.35.0. It says play. I'm going to click play, see what it does. It's probably not going to do anything. Yeah, I'm too early. Womp, womp, womp. What a surprise. I'm not surprised. Man, up to 10 viewers. Holy cow. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate you uh, stopping by to check out what's going on. I don't have any leaked gameplay. We're not going to be looking at that. I'm not going to play Elite Dangerous and pretend I'm playing Starfield to try to lure you in here. I'm not going to play Star Citizen. I'm not going to play any of these space games. And I'm not going to play Alien Isolation, which this one guy was doing earlier today. And people were just like all over it, following him like left and right, thinking that this person was playing Starfield and he was clearly playing Alien Isolation. But he was playing, <laughs> he looked like an astronaut. And it was, it was hilarious. Hey, Focusbox Hero, thanks for uh, stopping in and chatting. I really appreciate that. I'd love to see the new first time chatters. Yes, yes, it is. All right. So, uh, with that said, let's go ahead and I guess get to it. Let's talk about GamesCon day one. So, I don't have this part pulled up to show you, but I can attest to the fact that. When Phil was talking to Destin, one of the things that they they talked about is that you know a lot of people have review keys to the game right now and they're playing it and there is data that they can get from having all these people play the game which will help them shape the game. Now, it's not going to shape any of like the content, but it can help them find some of those last minute bugs that might be in the build because as many, you know, let's say that Bethesda has 400 employees, four to 500 employees, and Microsoft maybe has, you know, a couple more hundred on the Xbox team that are testing this. You still have like less than a thousand people and they'll, they'll have a few, uh, you know, external people that are doing the mock reviews. But even then, those people really aren't the mock reviewers definitely they're not like bug testing it. They're gonna make notes of bugs that they find, but it's not they're not there to QA it. So you're gonna have a lot more people playing this game. And that increases the likelihood that they're gonna find bugs that they didn't necessarily find on their own. So, or there's probably some telemetry data that they're pulling as well. Those things will help them for the final patches, right? And it will help them go in there and Watch iron out any of those bugs. So that's why he was like, you know, you're not playing the final build. They can help improve it. That's how they're going to improve it. They're not like necessarily giving pointed feedback saying this quest is not fun. It is too late for that. <laughs> that ship has sailed. Um, those types of adjustments without, you know, a major delay, which we're not going to get at this point. It's we're way too close. The marketing's budget's being blown. This game's coming out. Um, but yeah, so that's what he meant by that. Uh, so if you saw that comment, and if you didn't, I'm telling you about it. it, it he did mention that they're able to provide feedback and help, and that's that's how they're really helping at this point. Uh, it was an interesting interview. I think uh, if we have time, I will pull that part up, but that's kind of IGNs. I don't really want to sit there and play an IGN YouTube video and talk over it uh, if we don't have to. Uh, one of the videos I did record, though, which was from... The broadcast live was Pete Hines talking to one of the gentlemen from Xbox. And if you want a second, I'll pull that up. Thanks, Todd, so much for joining us. We're here at the Starfield Theater. What are fans expecting to see? Uh, we're actually 
showing everybody the beginning of the game here. It's kind of edited down, but they get to see how it starts, a little bit of character creation, and then they're off on adventure. Yeah, brilliant. I've seen some of the reactions of people coming out, and it's like, like it? everyone looks super excited. Right, good. Can't wait to see. Also, how's it back home? How are the team holding up with this close to launch? This is always tight time. I mean, the game's pretty much done. We're doing a couple final tweaks. There's a, you know, a lot of things that go into a game of this scale. So here we get an opportunity to actually see the inside of the theater. Uh, and it looks pretty rad. I really like it. Uh, they said it fits about 300 people. And they're showing them the game. It's a controlled environment. I actually did something similar to this for The Witcher 3 uh, at a Gamescom, at, not Gamescom, at E3. And I think it was 2014. Uh, CD Projekt Red all had us in a... We were at the LA Convention Center and we were in a room that they had kind of converted over. They just had some benches in it and it had a screen. And we watched them basically play some of the first missions for The Witcher 3. And while this, they're not actually playing it for them, someone's already played it and they're basically made like a 25 minute supercut. It'd be very interesting at some point if that actually leaks itself out into the wild so we can actually see what the media themselves saw. But this is the room that everybody's getting a chance to take a look at the game. But uh, super excited. That suit, I've got a better picture of it later. We'll be able—that's the one I was mentioning that the ESA tweeted out. We'll be able to get a pretty good look at it here in a few minutes. Excited, you know, we love the game. We put so much into it. We just hope you know everybody out there loves it as well. Yeah, I know everyone's super excited. And being here at Gamescom, what goes into the preparation for yourselves and like the team at Xbox? Well, you look at this booth, I mean, I, I don't know, you're asking the wrong person. I look at this and it's just incredible, the scale of everything. I don't think the camera can capture it. I'm kind of blown away. Uh, for us, we, you know, we put it. Yes. Um, he definitely felt that way in that thing. He also looks, uh, somebody earlier made a comment. It's like, oh, Todd, a non-soft lighting. <laughs> He doesn't quite look as young as he does in all the other Bethesda-controlled videos that come out. ...video together. It gets a little bit easier to make videos when the game is... But none of us are getting any younger. ...things are done. So, honestly, our part was easy. Super exciting to be here and see the excitement from the fans. It, it means a lot to us. Yeah, and you mentioned, like, the... One more thing. You'll notice that uh, in some of the stuff that, from the opening night, Todd mentioned, this is, like, his first time at Gamescom. So it's not even, like, it's been a while since he's been here. This is the first time he's gone to this. Apparently, he does not like to travel. So just getting him out of Bethesda and out to a show, it's like, look, man, you have what is potentially one of the biggest games for Xbox ever getting ready to come out. You have to get on this plane and go to Germany and shield this game. Here is massive, but Starfield itself is one of the largest game undertakings that we've ever seen. What are fans going to expect? When oh, they get their hands on they're the actually game? letting. Well, I think here is massive, but Starfield itself is one of the largest game undertakings. They were letting people actually put that on. That's awesome. That's amazing. I didn't realize that. I just thought it was kind of there to show off. I didn't get, realize people actually got to wear it. It is how you spread con flu. Uh, I don't think they were allowed to put the helmet on because that's really how you spread con flu. Undertakings that we've ever seen. 
what are fans going to expect when they get their hands on the game? Well, I think, you know, if they played our previous games where you can kind of make the character you want and go do it you want, it's hard to express how big the game feels when you play it. Like, well, there. That's going to basically be our home away from home here pretty soon. There's a planet. I can really land anywhere. And it is a game, even I will admit, that the kind of, you sit down, you're like, oh, I'll play for a half hour, and then three hours go. Like, well, there's a planet. I can really land anywhere. So that's kind of, yeah. I, I want to point out something he just said, because I've seen this question happen. It's like, people have asked if it's really kind of controlled the environment in which you land. Like, you can only land at those certain spots. And Todd just said you can land anywhere. Uh, and I know Pete has said that you can explore the entire planet. So it looks like you can land wherever you want, and then you can branch out and go wherever you want from there. Now, there's going to be key places on these planets that you're going to want to gravitate towards, but you can fully explore each and every one of them. And apparently, you don't have to land at prescribed points. You can land wherever you want on that planet and then go to wherever you want uh, by foot or by jetpack. And it is a game, even I will admit, that the kind of, you sit down, you're like, oh, I'll play for a half hour, and then three hours go by, and you're like, well, it's just, um, you know, I like to say the more that you give to Starfield, the more you put into it, the more it gives back. Yeah, like, I'm personally super excited to get my hands on it. Also, I'm going to go and experience the experience for myself. Uh, hopefully security let me, but thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I just hope everybody loves the game. Here's something I'm going to look out for because uh, we saw this with uh, Diablo as well. Remember how they were like, oh, it's going to come out on the 6th. And then there was early access. And then it just kept creeping forward when we actually got to play to the point where if you went to uh, GameStop the day before the game was supposed to be on sale, they were actually just giving it to people because they didn't care anymore because the street date had moved so much. When they were first started talking about this game getting early access, it was going to be like the first. And then everybody figured out, well, it's a global launch, so it launches in you know, some spots on the first, but that really ends up being the 31st here in the States. Well, now, if you look, they're actually marketing it's the 31st. I'm not saying that's going to change. I don't know that it's going to change, but I wouldn't be surprised if when we actually can play the game slides a little bit further by a few hours. Hey there, everybody. I'm so excited to be joining you here at Gamescom with the rest of the Xbox on team. But while Benny's trying to dodge that security at the Starfield Theater experience, we've actually got our very first giveaway. So why don't you guys type exclamation mark day one in Twitch chat for a chance to win a whole month of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. But joining me right now is... Um, that's not going to work if you type it in Twitch chat right now, by the way. Sorry. That was just for them. It's Bethesda's very own Pete Hines to talk about more Starfield. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Harry. All right, so if you look... Oh, you can't see because of the chat. Hold on one second. Let me move that. If you see, if you look right here, you can see Pete has the watch on again with the white band. He's uh, flexing his drip. I'm great. It must feel good to be back at Gamescom as well. Uh, it is. This is a show I've I've been to very a lot of times and uh, over the years, and it's always a great. So, I'm not necessarily a cat person. I am a pet person. I like animals. I like 
more particularly dogs, but he has a shirt on that is pretty cool, it's which honestly, hopefully we'll get to see better when his lower third disappears. Um, and honestly, to be back in person, you know, it's something we haven't gotten to do a whole lot of. And, uh, you know, as, as Todd was just saying, you can really feel Vascalico. <laughs> I'm a fan. Vascalico. Right, I think we get the the chat problem again. There we go. You can see it better now. Yeah, he also kind of gets paid to be that, right? Here, let me see if I can. Move some of that over and want your guys' chat to be able to be seen as well. All right, sorry, Pete. People are going to talk, everybody. That's just the way it is. Feel the energy from the fans, how excited they are, how much they're looking forward to it. It, it honestly, it, it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just it's a really special place for that, I think. But so many of the fans that are here today and watching from home are just kind of waited with bating breath for what's to come for Starfield. But these last few days ahead of launch, what do they tend to look for, look like for the, you and for the rest of the team? Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's. In some ways, it's probably the most difficult part of a campaign uh, because, number one, like you know how close it is. Number mm. two, the amount of work that our teams right now, uh, and, and shout out to all of those folks who, who are, number one, crushing it, doing an amazing job oh, yeah. with, the, with the trailer at ONL last night and, and everything that's been a part of this campaign. They, they are working so hard. Um, and you're also just sitting here where... And if you're wondering about this footage, almost the entirety of this footage we're seeing right now came out of the Starfield Direct. So there's not really a whole lot new to go over actually in the footage they're showing. You've now given the game to a bunch of people to press the influencers yeah. and you don't really know what they think or how they're feeling. And so we it's a little bit helpless. So we try and focus on the things that we can control. And it, most of all, we're just so excited for next week and to get this into people's hands. I mean, I personally kind of love that confidence of being able to hand it off to press and, and reviewers and you know influencers. So you're going to see this sentiment resonate throughout this interview, the interview they have with Phil Spencer. They keep stressing the fact that they allowed reviewers in two weeks ahead of time because they're so confident in the product. So even if you know it ends up getting subpar review scores, by the time we see those, it's going to be right on top of early access. But they're just projecting a level of confidence that is, you know, they're either they're either one, really confident that this game is going to be good, or two, they've got balls of steel. Early for yeah. what most games market. And they don't care like, about me, that speaks like the potential backlash. I love what we've done with this game. It's now time for you guys to to really have a go with it. Yeah, and, and if I'm being honest, like they're really <laughs> there's really not a amount of time that I'm comfortable enough of like now you've played enough mm. Starfield to get what this game is because yeah. like I'm at 150, 160 hours on my current playthrough and like oh. yeah I haven't even come close to do like there is so much stuff I have intentionally not done um, it, it's like we, we try and tell everybody how big this game is mm. and the folks that are playing it like one of the few things they will tell us is yeah you weren't kidding how big like I can't <laughs> believe how big it is like Another thing that you'll notice throughout their messaging too is that they're trying to coach people to the fact that this game is going to be very deep and that 
you're not necessarily going to get everything when you first step into it. It's going to take a while for these systems to unfurl and for you to start really figuring everything out. So that to me, it kind of screams it's going to be a little bit slow. And that's not necessarily something to get too overly concerned about. Um, I still think that's kind of an artifact from older generation of games where you could have a time to sword, so to speak, like for Zelda, where, you know, it started off as like a, a second, but then it got to, you know, like a half an hour and then some games got even longer. Um, but they're really kind of massaging their message. They're very uh, particular with these talking points. And these are talking points that they're hitting. So they're, they're professionals. They're very good about this, but they do have talking points that they're going back to. They do have a message that they're trying to project and they're doing a great job of it. Uh, but if you know what you're looking for, you can see it. Yeah, it's content and exploration. Like, no matter how you want to play, there is so much for you to do in this game. You mentioned opening night live, and we'll talk about that in a sec, but I just kind of want to know why it was so important to bring the experience of Starfield that you have to this audience right here at Gamescom. I mean, for, for one thing, like, we, our games have always done really well in Germany. It's, it's obviously, you know, it's a, a really well-known PC market, and we obviously came from being, a, you know, an indie PC developer and publisher before we were anything else. Love how they go back to the roots of we were an indie you were now you're like one of the biggest companies a part of one of the biggest companies in the world microsoft like multiple trillion dollar market cap one of only a few companies on earth that can claim that um not so indie anymore but this audience and and role-playing games and what what they mean in germany it's a very popular genre and you know across elder scrolls and and fallout um bethesda game studios has got a really big um, following in this mm. territory and, and for all the folks who come to Cologne who, who aren't in Germany uh, and we just felt like this close to launch to try and do something special for them uh, you know to sort of surprise and delight and to just be here and, and to you know take pictures or have a conversation yeah. or whatever um, you know we, we want to make sure that they they feel as special as as they are to us it's cool for me to see that you've got that glock that question regardless of what was asked totally totally turned into Pete making it about how Cologne was a welcoming and friendly environment for them. And they felt a level of comfort. Uh, I don't want to say premiere and I was in the premiere, but really showing this game in depth, the level that they're going to, that they haven't anywhere else. And we're going to get into that a little bit more later because the first quest is completely playable behind closed doors and they've let some journalists do it. And we got two, wildly different takes on the same quest from two different sides of the Atlantic Ocean. ...cabinet full of all the different Starfield paraphernalia. We've got the Series X console wrap, we've got the Constellation Edition watch, and that helps me feel at least like we're so tangible. It's like, it's right there. I can even like grab it. We're so close to launch. Plus it's really good like shopping for birthdays. Oh yeah. Oh, I want that. I need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've like, got the watch on already. Yeah. I'm jealous. Trust I, the, me. The, love the watch. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're really excited both for like how good the game is, but the way in which Xbox has supported us with, you know, console wraps and like the controller and the headset oh, is the best piece of hardware. He's not wrong. The controller is absolutely fantastic. And 
and the uh, headset's not too bad looking either. Where I like they are so good, I, I use them nonstop. Yeah. Uh, full credit to that team. But uh, across Xbox, the, the the way that they have stepped up and supported and amplified Starfield in in every way possible has been just awesome to be a part of. We're so pleased for all of the support that, that, that they've given yeah. us. You're just helping me dress my entire house in Starfield <laughs> stuff at this point, so you know, I'm, I'm happy enough as it is. Yeah, but absolutely. We did get to see quite a lot of Starfield. You had a new trailer last night yep. at Opening Night Live. Todd came on stage to chat a bit more about what that opening sequence looks like that players can expect, but why don't you catch, up us, uh, catch us up more on the news of the day, really, for Starfield? Yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, I want to say, you know, I am, I am a few weeks away, whatever the number is, six or seven, from 24 <laughs> years at this company. Wow. That is the best trailer we've ever made, and, and I, I will have words with anybody who says otherwise. It is my favorite thing. I had absolutely nothing to do with that trailer, yeah. full disclosure. That is, that is my team. That is Aaron Losey's <laughs> team going out and making that happen, and... Um, the, Get your flowers, the, guys. <laughs> the tone that it hits, the way that it hits that feel of not just what it's like to play the game, but sort of the hopefulness, the, the lifting others up, I, I just, I think it's brilliant. Um, mm. But, you know, it, it's not just that. It's, hey, we, we've got wraps for your Xbox console, you know, something Xbox has never offered yeah. um, that look really great. Um, uh, you know, I have pre-ordered one. I'll have it when that, it releases, uh, which is not on the same time the game comes out, made. though. Like, it's, we are now in the point, I, I said last night to the folks uh, after dinner, like, there is no emergency break anymore on this nope. launch, folks. Like, we're a go whether... You hear that? No emergency break. They're a go whether they want it to or not at this point. The game's coming out. No one's pulling a ripcord. No parachute can save them. The game is going live regardless. <laughs> Unless Phil says no. I guess Phil could probably be the e-break if they really needed one. There were not, so everybody, like, make sure. Well, I guess not. I mean, the things are probably in stores, as we've seen on social media, people that have been stealing them or, you know, somehow appropriating them. Don't necessarily say they were stolen. Your seatbelt is fastened because this is happening, and it's, you know, there are very few chances. Todd and I try and reinforce this to, to our respective teams as much as we can. You don't, you don't get many opportunities at, at a game like this. Um, ga uh, games of any kind, you know, is a mm. finite number for a, anybody in development or publishing. But for something like this, for as special as it is, for as long as I've been here and to see what these different launches are, you can tell when something special is happening. Mm. And I think Starfield is that. And, you know, I really uh, have tried to emphasize to, to our teams, like, amidst all of the hard work, like, please find time to enjoy this because you never yeah. know when you get another chance to be a part of something as special as this. Talking about the stewardship that you and Todd have over this team to bring something like Starfield to players out there, and it often gets described. One thing that does come across in that last answer from him is that he definitely feels very genuine um, in his care and the sincerity that he has with you know how special of launching a game of this caliber actually is, and how you know fortunate they are to be involved in that process because it is a finite thing. I mean, not everybody gets to do this. Um, they take so long anymore. There's only so many you can do in the span of your career because you just, I mean, six to eight years. I mean, you do that five times. That's 30, 40 years. That's a career. Does, oh, it's an open world game, but that feels like a bit of a disservice because it's not just the one world. It's thousands that we can explore and just sprawling open world experience across like a real good portion of the galaxy. I mean, what is it like to actually have to lead a team on such 
such an endeavor as that where it's grand scale that we've seen and all the detail as well yeah i mean you know as you as you all have seen as you've watched how we've talked about starfield it it really required us to push ourselves in terms of how do you get the rest of the world to wrap its head around a game of this size and scope i mean it is literally it feels when you're playing it almost like there are a bunch of different games mm. inside of one game and i get to decide and so we here we come back to the whole this game's large and he's talking about how he feels like there's multiple different games within the one game and it speaks volumes to the ability we're going to have to play the game the way we want to to have agency over our experience how the way that i play it is going to be different than the way that chris plays it and it's going to be different than the way from other rob plays it and it's going to be different from the way that focus box hero plays it it's going to be different and it's going to be completely dependent upon who you are and your style of play so i'm really looking forward to that i I am probably leaning more towards the first time I will critical or golden path, whichever you like to refer to through the main story, get that done and then go explore and then potentially on further playthroughs, just explore and not worry about the main story and see the differences too. Because again, my save state, you know, the way that my world generates is going to be different from the rest of you. Now, the first few things will be, they're a set piece and they're all going to be the same. And there will be things along the golden critical path that will be the same. But I don't know how different the star system placements can be. Um, but at the same time, like we do know that planets within those systems, the way those generate can be different. Like, you know, Earth, Earth's going to be the same, right? Mars is going to be the same. But who knows about Voli, you know, three Bravo, right? We could have two, two totally different ones of those. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. And it's going to be divergent for everyone because of these things. How much time I for good or bad, we'll, we'll see. Because I, I know that NMS used to always frustrate me because I'd start off on terrible planets and Peace out on it. You want to spend in a way that you haven't really seen in a Fallout or Skyrim. I mean, those things are still, you know, oh, I can spend all my time just picking flowers and the Elder yeah. Scrolls. Like, yes, you can, but it doesn't feel as as wholly different as, like, the entire space game that exists, mm -hmm. the entire live on a planet, just like the freeform exploration, the combat, the which factions taking sides, the player. It's um, it's just amazing to see it all, how it all comes together, but explaining that to folks in a way that is digestible, um, you know, it's how, how you end up with something like Starfield Direct, which, I mean, it's basically a feature film that we <laughs> created just to explain to folks and to talk to folks about, not just explain what the game is, but do it in a way that I just thought was really authentic and hearing from the people making it, how they think about mm. both creating it, how they think about playing it, and, and seeing the way that that resonated with players, I think, was really was really special. One thing that really grabs me, I think, is the love that's being poured into, like, Radiant Quest systems and just allowing those new and unique experiences for people to have, no matter where they are in the galaxy, whether they are just flying around in space, whether they are out there just maybe mining some rocks or mm -hmm. looking at new fauna, flora, etc. It's, it's a really cool way to involve them in new stories that... Yeah. 
they perhaps weren't searching for, but now they're being like collided into, and it's just juicy. You want well, you want to die. And then, dive and then, because we made an irresponsibly large game, <laughs> large game, <laughs> we take it to another. Again, that's one of his go back to points. We've made an irresponsibly large game. Now, I'm sure that that wasn't a planned thing at first. That's something that somebody said, and it stuck. And now it's like, well, we'll use this for like a marketing uh, tagline, an irresponsibly large game as people talk about it. Because people say, hey, I've seen that in headlines. We've made an irresponsibly, our Xbox, not Xbox, uh, Bethesda boss, which he's not, says we've made an irresponsibly large game. Their level that, that I think, and this is one of the things I'm, I'm looking for, we've seen it ourselves. Like I was just talking to a couple of folks from our Benelux office who were like, you know, they've both played, you know, about the same amount of time, like, you know, 40 hours or 60 hours. But their experiences were like, we didn't do any of the same things at all, like not even close. So, you know what that sounds to me like? Uh, a recent game that a lot of us probably played, Elder Scrolls. Massive game. People had, and not Elder Scrolls. Elden Ring, where people had just entirely divergent uh, experiences playing through it, where we could have both played Elden Ring and just went about it drastically different. I saw this. I saw this. Oh, I didn't see that. Where'd you see that at? Oh, I saw. You got to do this, and you can see it. And like, it creates those really conversational moments between gamers in a single player game where you're not necessarily, you know, there was ways in Elden Ring you could manipulate to multiplayer, but and I say manipulate because it was so obtuse that it felt like you were manipulating the system to actually play multiplayer, even though it was built in there. Um, you could, you're going to be able to have these conversations with your friends. It's going to keep these discords alive and popping with people having conversations about their experiences and what factions they joined and who they double crossed and you know how much money they've managed to amass because they've built all these trade routes and they've got all these different outposts on these different planets mining resources and just and that's some of the things i love about gaming being able to have those discourse and talk about these things with your friends and whether they're you see they live across the street or whether you know they live across the world but you talk to them on your social medias and you talk to them through discord games like this are wonderful for that and they help bring gaming together Be with that and then the whole like locations aren't the same for every person like what you yeah, and i find going to explore this planet i can't just tell you you should go here and land here and find this like yeah that might not be there for you like you get to find and have an experience that truly feels like like your own in a way that that i think folks are going to really enjoy and appreciate yeah i mean we got a little bite of that in the stuff you know who's not going to appreciate that guide riders <laughs> yeah Unless there's, yeah. So like, hey, I need to find this resource. I need to find this resource. Where can I farm it? It's a rare resource. Well, I can't just tell you to go find it on this planet. I'm going to have to tell you to find it on a planet like this, a planet that would be within a certain radius of its sun and then, then be a certain type of planet. And then you can probably find that resource you need. But now you got to find that planet. Direct, like you mentioned. I mean, Jamie Mallory literally coming out and saying, "Oh, well, hold my sandwich. I'm, I'm grabbing them all here." And it's just, it does speak to that unique way that every player can tackle whatever situation they do come across, or even just back down to character creation and that's that jumping-off point of deciding, 
Here's what I'm going to start off as. I have no idea where that journey is going to take me and how it might change me as a player, me as a character in this game. And it's all really fascinating. But what are the sorts of way that you tend to play? I mean, I know you've, you've poured in some time now, but... Well, uh, look, when, I'm, when we're in this phase and like leading up, I, I don't... I don't play like I would like I don't play like I'm about to when I get right. back home where like okay now I'm yeah. gonna start like like this is yeah. Pete's you, you got a job to do right yeah now. <laughs> up to this point it's been Bethesda's character and sort of the way I've approached it is sort of testing I mean I've been doing this for a long time I've been interacting with our players playing Bethesda game studio stuff for a long time so we know mm. how they think and I, I talked to Jamie after testing so this gives you this screen gives you a really great example of the way the naming convention happens in the game. Uh, so if you weren't aware, this is a moon. And we could tell that without it even telling us that it was a moon because it is Parima, which is the star, four, which is the planet, and C, because it's a moon. So Parima 4C, which is the four, it's a third moon on the fourth planet, of the Prima star. And it looks like this has water, iron, argon, chlorine, and then a couple other chemical components on it that have different rarities. So you'll see that HNCN, the uh, SIH2Cl, that's actually, these are all real things too, by the way. I've looked some of these up to actually find out what they were. That RCOC, I think is some kind of carbon chain, almost like a carbohydrate uh, and then the NE, I think, is neon, right? Let me refer to my periodic chart of elements. But I am pretty sure that NE is neon. Yes, it is neon. So neon looks like it's going to be one of the rarer resources that we can find. And this one has an industrial outpost and a civilian outpost, and I'm sure those were procedurally generated and stuck on there. And so when I get uh, my game and I play it, <laughs> the water's radioactive. I just noticed that. That's uh, don't go swimming. Uh, it's interesting, by the way, that the water is radioactive because water acts as a very good insulator against radiation. So it's weird if all the water is irradiated. We're doing awesome. And thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. I did see your reply. Uh, that's very kind of you. Uh, thanks a lot. We're just going through the Pete Hines interview that happened earlier today on Gamescom. And I just, I had always been meaning to make a video about the star maps and what we can tell about them, about the planets. And then it just popped up. So I, went ahead and just went through it real quick. But you can tell that they haven't done a full scan of this planet. See, they're 44% done with the survey. One thing I, I don't know about yet is the zero of two traits. Obviously, the zero of eight resources means they haven't gone and collected those different resources yet. And there's like there's fauna, zero four, flora, zero three, for them to, to scan as well to count for their survey. Uh, what I don't know is what those traits are. I haven't figured that out yet. I'm sure somebody out there probably has, but 
it's not me. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been interacting with our players playing Bethesda Game Studio stuff for a long time. So we know. And one of the things that just got blocked by the chat is that he zoomed over those different areas on the planet. And it was saying what they were like. One of them was a coniferous uh, forest. Oh, mm. how they think. And I talked to. And so this designation is Parima, level 30. Uh, you can see that there are six planets. They, they vary from one to four moons. Uh, these that are within the sun, I, I'm sure, are what they probably consider their Goldilocks planets. And the ones outside of the sun are probably ones that would be less hospitable towards life. And it appears that they have a quest on one of them and this one has three moons and you can see that they have these little dots but anyway jamie after e3 and she's like i, I don't get this like why is this such a thing and i said jamie what you did is you tapped into the like the silly and again we have the different things this one has double the gravity it's cold it has a thin atmosphere magnetosphere water safe so I'm really curious. That one has lithium. It's a two trait and it has one unknown trait. Um, it's a two star element. I'm really curious what those traits are. Uh, yeah. And it says, by the way, the water, like how much, how much effort are we going to have to put into actually going to different planets and collecting water? That like you sort of tend to forget, like you talk about Starfield and. Hey, I'm going to assume it's Sicaro, unless it, but yeah, I was just going to say, what GPU do you have? Because I don't, I don't think that it has to be anything too terribly taxing, especially if you just want to run a 1080. You have a 1080. Uh, let's see. Starfield system requirements PC. I used to know them. Uh, minimum graphics is a 1070. So you should be okay. I mean, it, if you're only going to do it at like 30 frames a second at 1080, you could probably get away with a 1080. Um, recommended is a 2080. So, but you, you 1070 TI is the minimum. So I, yeah. Yeah, I would think either of those two cards you uh, mentioned there, the 4060 or the 3060 TI would definitely be able to get it done. Uh, but yeah, the 1080, my suggestion, uh, just wait until you play it on the 1080 and see how it feels. And then if it's too bad, then go get a card. But I wouldn't buy one ahead of time. Uh, and also, if you are in the market to get a new card, I'd say wait a couple days because just wait a couple days. We're in the middle of Gamescom. We know that they have people there presenting. Uh, there's going to be news coming out every day. So just wait and see what we hear at the convention before you rush out and buy yourself a new GPU. Wink, wink. I don't know if you could see that 
but yeah but it's still fun mm. like it's supposed to be about fun and you put your finger sort of right on the pulse of the kind of nonsense that our players love to get up to because we make a game that is about freedom right like yeah okay and so for those of you that hopped in here late um and missed the start of this question because we went off on some tangents there it he talked about jamie malroy and how jamie started talking about the sandwich thief right how she wants to be a sandwich thief and then pete is like and she didn't realize how much that would resonate with the player base and pete is like you don't understand the level of and he's he, these are my words not his the level of crazy our players get up to right it's like they just do the weirdest stuff, the craziest stuff because they can. And what you just talked about is the stuff that they would do. So they loved it, right? Like just go steal all the sandwiches and throw them in your house on a planet somewhere because you can. That's, that's exactly what someone that's going to play this game would do. We embrace chaos. We give players more freedom than I think in a game like this than people really dare to in their games. Like that's part of what makes Starfield special. And look, Give them the freedom to do what they want to do and embrace the chaos. That creates situations that we have to do a lot of work to make sure like this doesn't break. This doesn't create problems. But the the payoff for that and like what players are allowed to do, like, wait, I can do this. Like I can spend all my time doing something as ridiculous as this. Yes. Like that's if that's what you want the game to be about, that's what you should do. But we want you to go and push and try all of the different ways because it's really not about like our story or how we want you to play it's about how you want to play so when i play i spend time like i'm going to spend a week and not land on a planet like what's it like to just be in outer space spend all my time in outer space landing on star stations derelict ships doing all this stuff and then i'll be like so he mentioned star stations and i guess i knew that there were a couple um in the game I'm curious if, you know, we can start stations on planets. I wonder if we can start our own star stations and use those as kind of like relays uh, for trade routes. And I think there's been some debate because it's worked different ways in like Fallout 4 and maybe Fallout 76 with trade routes. So he said star station, not me. Uh, They're there. Uh, They're in the game. But I wonder if they're just going to be set pieces that we go to for the for the story or if there's going to be more space stations that we're able to interact with or potentially even build out and create ourselves okay now i'm going to go land in this city and i want to see how long i can spend not leaving this city like how many factions can i find how many quests can i do and i'll get to decision points where it's like oh okay here's what's going on they're stepping up into this similar uh, healer, we talked about this earlier, like you get the con flu. It's like they're stepping up into it and putting their chest against the back of it and putting their arms through the sleeves and holding the helmet, but they're not actually like putting the entire suit on. Look, you're about to like, you have to pick a side here yeah. and, the, and I'll make a save and like, I'm going to play this way and I'm going to go two, do- two hours down the road just to see like, how does that feel? And then yeah. rewind and play it two hours the other direction just because I like I want to know like what should our players expect mm-hmm. how does this and just trying to do that in as many ways as possible re- just land on a random so he said rewind I wonder if he's advocating for save scumming there I don't have a problem with people who save scum it would just be interesting if Pete Hines is 
on this stream uh, telling everybody how he saves scums to see which outcomes he gets based upon the choices he makes with his characters. Somebody should clip that. I think I'll clip that. We'll call that Pete Hines safe scums. I'm playing it and just start walking. Like, what's this like? How fun is this? Uh, and the more of it you do, the more you find like there is, there's a thousand hours in this version of the game alone. Like if you don't My even gosh. touch it, it, it's it's crazy. And like my one piece of advice to folks is do not ignore your activities. Like yeah. that's almost, okay. it feels like throwaway stuff that the game is giving you. Like there is some amazing stuff in there that doesn't even feel like a real quest, but like will take you to some amazing. Data, thank you for doing that math. Um, that wouldn't have been something I was capable of doing on my fingers and toes, but glad to know that you can. Plays this is amazing stories. We encourage you to play this. Like Did you do that at a website game, which is like do what you want, go where you want, test the game. You know, be the kind of player, the kind of person you want to be in this world, and see what happens. I get oh. chills thinking about what I'm going to get. It's, it's going to be a lot. We cannot wait to see all the stories <laughs> and how people choose to to express themselves in this game. It's going to be amazing. I got one more question. I just have to ask you. Okay. I know you're a fan, but are Arsenal going to win the league? Yes. You heard it here. Thanks again, Pete. Gotta Remember, believe. though, you guys can play that was a football question. On Xbox Game Pass. Talking about the PC Premier League. Starting September 6th. But if you can't wait that long like me, early access is going to kick off on August the 31st with the Digital Premium Edition, Digital Premium Upgrade, or the Constellation Edition. But coming up, we've got Blizzard here to talk Diablo 4. We're celebrating 10 years of ID at Xbox title. Green. So I uh, can't really believe it. It took us about an hour almost to get through that 15-minute video. <laughs> I think we had a pretty good breakdown there, some good conversation. That said, let us uh, let me get to the next item up in the run of show. That was the Pete Hines interview. And next up is the Phil Spencer interview. This is a longer interview but it's less involved with Starfield. So I actually think that we'll probably be able to get through this one a lot faster. Anything bullet points on the video we just watched? Well, the biggest one is they did talk about the fact that it is too late to stop. Like they cannot pull uh, the e-break on this. The game is going to launch. They've gone past the uh, point of no return. Uh, really not a whole lot. We did get an opportunity to see at the very beginning of the video, the interview Todd Howard. We got to see the theater that they were actually showing off the game in. We got to see uh, that spacesuit that they were using as a prop that was back there. Uh, I don't really think that we learned anything new. We just got to get confirmation on a lot of stuff and just hear Pete talk with his enthusiasm for the game that they're getting ready to release. Yeah. I mean, what's gold anymore? They never, I don't think they really announced that it went gold. Um, you know, it used to be that gold was everything past the final checks and they were clear to put that on a disc, but anymore, I mean, they, they one patch everything. A lot of the stuff's digital. So gold doesn't have the same meaning that it really used to have.
My distinct pleasure to welcome CEO of Microsoft Gaming, Mr. Phil Spencer, to the stage. How are you, my I'm dear? I'm well. How are you? It's good I to be here. I am so good. Have How's you your had... first day of Gamescom? I mean, it's been exciting. I've yeah. had a walk around. I've looked at some things, but I've mostly just been sitting here talking Diablo and Age, and now to you. So it's like I saw the Age. Yeah, kind of like a ten out of ten. Who was day. out here for Diablo? Diablo it was Ron and Chris. Roderick was here. Roderick and Zude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. good. <laughs> yeah, good vibes. Um, I want to start by saying that the last time we were together, we were sat in the buffet. To London office planning to steal loads of stuff because uh, we're loads of Are we saying planning hunters. because we don't want planning, people to know that we yes, did? Yes, well, you've said it now, so I was protecting this. <laughs> I still have my stuff. <laughs> well, every time I talk to you, I always ask what you're playing, so I want to know what you're playing and why is it still Vampire Survivor? So, if you ever invite Phil over to your home, uh, watch out for your silverware because apparently he's got sticky fingers. No, no. Well, I am playing Vampire Survivors, yeah, so I yeah. got all the achievements. Obviously, yeah. But now they have couch co-op, and I'm playing with yeah. my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife, Kelly, who doesn't play a ton of video games. Yep. So the fact that we can play couch co-op, yeah. and she's enjoying it, like, I'm all in. As well. yeah, so yeah. what I'm playing right now on console, I'm playing a lot of Remnant 2. Mm -hmm. I really like Remnant 2. Yep. Um, it's a great game to play with. So solve a debate for me. He's calling it Remnant 2. I would call it Remnant 2. Who says it right? Friends. Uh, I had my ROG ally on the mm -hmm. way out here. That's what I thought. Thank you. I'm playing a game called Fist, which is in Game Pass. Yep. It's a really nice platformer. I'm playing Brotato. Have you played Brotato? I, this is also the first I've heard of it, so please no. tell me What is that? Bro, so Brotato is not on Xbox. Okay. I'll say yet, but I don't have any. Well, it would be great to get on Xbox. Uh, it's just so if you're the developer of Brotato, by the way, which is a not a giant developer and you're watching this and Phil Spencer's like, that'd be great to get your thing. <laughs> it's like calling up Xbox. It's like, all right, cut me a check. Phil said he wants it. Come get it. Pay me. <laughs> Steam game. It's kind of, it is. That is a very, um, yellow, yellow, but I think she pulls it off with that uh, pink she's got on there for her eyeshadow. So more power to her. Like, let's say it's inspired by vampires. It's not a look that I could pull off. Survivors. Oh, I see. But you play as a you have potato. A type. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm very simple. Yes. I have a small brain. So one stick move around. Um, but it's it's a fun game. So I'm yeah. playing some Brotato. I just finished, um, what, did, what did I just finish last? Bramble, have you played this game? No, I've had it recommended a bunch Ooh. though. Yeah, it's, it's a nice short playthrough, isn't Ooh, it? Well? But it's, it's kind of a demented game. Like a it starts off, game. demented, yeah. <laughs> it starts off very cute yeah. and you think, oh, like this is awesome. And then it like goes into some very crazy, great game. Zags. Great game, but it's like some very dark, let's just say dark okay. places. I'll get it on the download queue. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah, Wonderful. it's good. So we're going to focus on now. We're going to stop flapping our gums okay. and actually talk. Uh, our in Gamescom, quite I'm going to write down Bramble. Xbox 50,000 square feet yeah. of Xbox booth. It's pretty good. And Biggest this is, ever. This is the first time in a while you've stepped on it as well. So I want to know why it's so important that Xbox has showed up so big this year. Well, being here, being anywhere, but being in Europe with mm -hmm. our customers, with players, with the creators that are here. I did a creator uh, get together both last night, today, met with some partners. It's, yeah. you know, it's these moments where the industry comes together, mm -hmm. uh, where we can talk to each other, that the consumers can come in, the players 
can come in, put their hands on games. I just think it's, it's, it's critically important. Obviously, COVID messed up a bunch of things. We're kind of, that's in the rear view mirror. So when you had the opportunity this year to go big at Gamescom, uh, we said, let's go. The other thing that's awesome in the booth is how much third-party support that's yes, here, yeah. right? Like Ed Boon's game's here, Mortal Kombat's here. Mm -hmm. um, we have the DLC for Cyberpunk's here. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just yeah. awesome to see how many of our partners, Rod's game's here, Diablo, <laughs> uh, how many of the third-party support on the floor. It's, it's an important thing for us as a platform. Um, it's just nice to get reconnected back with the community here. Yeah. And then Starfield, over, I feel like I'm showing everyone over here. I can't here see it. I can't see it. It's too small. <laughs> I was, well, it is. All right. So here's why we're watching this part of it where you're going to actually start talking about Starfield. Actually, technically massive, to correct you there. And we're only a week away from early access. So how, is it, how exciting is it seeing this game coming to Xbox? And we're so close now. Yeah. I mean, we've been working on it for a long time. Um, I've known about it for, you know, even before we... we we partnered, we acquired Zenimax, so it's been great to see Todd and the team work more closely yep. with them than we ever have. I like that answer, by the way. Before we part, eh, who am I fooling? Before we bought them. On any game, you know, there aren't that many moments where we get to launch a new IP that has the amount of buzz and anticipation mm -hmm. that Starfield does. A lot of games you'll launch that are new IP and then maybe they build into their strength. But like, there is just a crazy amount of anticipation. And the thing that I love is the confidence that the team has right oh, now, yeah. like putting out review codes two weeks before launch. Okay, so this is one of the points, by the way, Data, that you asked about. This is the same talking point that Pete Hines just hit on with uh, the, the gentleman from Game On uh, asked him. And that is giving out the review codes two weeks ahead of launch. It's a display of confidence. It's a, you know, different people within different levels of the same corporate entity are having a unified message. It's like, we feel confident in this game. We feel very strongly that it's good. We're so confident that we gave out these review keys two weeks ahead of time to journalists and influencers so they could get hands-on with the games and form impressions. And you know, so it, they're projecting confidence in their product. Because it's a big game and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, the first three to four hours are a little bit hunt and peck, figure out like, well, what am I actually doing? This is also a similar talking note that, or sorry, a talking point that Pete Hines had is at the beginning of the game, there's a lot of different things you can do. It's, uh, you know, you're going to have to try and figure stuff out. It's deep. It's going to be different depending on who you are. And he's, you know, setting people up for three to four hours just to really figure out the game and what it is and how to play it. Uh, and it's not going to be something that you're just flying out of the gate like a platformer. Then you get on a side quest or something and like the game just like blows up in terms of its epic scale. Uh -huh. So I love the fact that the team is so confident in giving uh, reviewers mm -hmm. time with the game before they're actually reviewing or just, you know, talking about what they think of the game. Yeah. And just behind that in the rearview mirror, if you will, kind of, I think that's how it works. Thoughts of Motorsports over there. Yeah. And that's not, that's out not too long after Starfield, is it? That's right. That's October. Uh -huh. I got, we did a take home two weeks ago where we got the kind of the opening of the game. Looks fantastic. Uh, That'll be one of the first things I probably figure out is uh, how many quests can I stick in my quest log before it's like no more quests for you. You got to start dumping them. I'm like, oh man, come on. And I've also heard 
that uh, you can only really track like one quest at a time. I mean, granted, you can have more in your log, but you're only going to have like one blue little dot for you to track around. But I don't even know that it's true. I think they might have saw more than that in some of this footage. I don't really think Phil's going to talk anymore about... Uh, I don't think he's going to talk anymore about Starfield in this. He's really talking about Forza. Here's a little bit about Stalker. Even Watch this. Difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. I have a ton of confidence in them. Yes. And they're on that that journey. But it's you know it's an emotional thing when you're talking to a team that's that's going through. I don't want to talk about it in past tense, what that team is going through. So it's uh, it's really special to me that they're here and that gaming can be part of how they're getting through it. Yeah, for sure. And as well as being here, there are so many communities for so many different... So for those of you that aren't aware, which I think everybody at this point probably is, Stalker 2 is being developed by um, a team out of the Ukraine and, you know, they're currently being invaded by Russia. So they're trying to make a game and deal with that as being the background noise for it all. Uh, however, it looks like the game is due out in the first quarter of 2014. So it, contrary to some popular beliefs out there that it may be coming out on the 1st of December because there was a, a placement for it in an online store, uh, 2024, not 2014. We can't go back in time. Uh, that or we're just going to have to roll the odometer over to get there. So it's going to be a really long time from now. But yeah, 2024 games yeah the rx was you got sea thieves i'm doing it again sea thieves over there you got an eso over there but like that's the only way i could play that in pong in my home, in my house that's how i play video games and the there was a community in the arcade of like hey what's the new hot console not video game console but actually arcade console mm -hmm. cabinet that you're gonna go play um and i love that today those communities um, they're still physical. Like you asked, why are we here at Gamescom? Because we have a fan fest tonight. Indeed, it's going to be yeah. awesome with the local community and the people that are here, but also the virtual communities. And I think it's one of the unique things in video games that video games can connect people across geographies, yeah. across races, religions. Like it is just a connector of people. Mm -hmm. And when it's a game like a Sea of Thieves, like a Grounded, like a Flight Sim, um, so many of our games now have these Elder Scrolls Online, which has a big over there. Yeah has a big presence on our, our show floor. And they've got a really nice table in there as they well. They do that big round table. A really nice built. table. I, it's another one of the things on my list to see if I can pilfer. I won't lie to oh, you. Oh, we should steal that. Yeah, we, we should. But the thing, <laughs> I also want to make sure on the community side, it's not just about multiplayer games. Mm -hmm. Like you find, like think about Skyrim. Yeah. You know, Skyrim has an amazing community around it. And it's not because there's a bunch of PvP or PvE, right? It's people come together for their shared love of the world and the characters and the lore and their role in that. Uh, I just think that's a very special part of gaming. And it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a privilege, I guess, for us at Xbox to have some franchises that are a part of that. Yeah. And if they're lucky, Starfield will be another, another one like that. Absolutely. And this, what we're seeing here is, I think it fully opens to the public tomorrow. Well, how do you say Skyrim? Oh, Skyrim instead of Skyrim. Is that what you're saying? I get it. All, it's so. the sweatshop tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah it's it's going to really pop off then. <laughs> in here. It's going to be warm. you got the good day to come and sit here. I'm it? here tomorrow. I'm oh, here. Well, but, yeah, now, yeah like, do people know? Like, today is, what, the press day, right? Yes, is that what they yeah. call it? I don't know if that has an official name. I should know, but I don't know. <laughs> um, and then tomorrow, the, the, the consumers, the players, 
come in. Have you ever seen like when they open the the, the running? It's yeah. ridiculous. And then right? eventually, at some point, I, I'm going to stop pointing. But the escalators and they get so busy. Yeah. Every time I come to Gamescom with someone new, I tell them you have to see the running when it opens yeah. and the escalators when yeah. they're full. It's yeah. great. It is, yeah, it's awesome <laughs> to be back. And I, I think they feel like this might be one of the biggest games. I don't want to see the running of the people. If I ever went there, it would be like, can I please get a press pass and come on day one? Because I do not want to deal with 300,000 plus people in one convention hall. No, thank you. Um, ever. It feels like, it already, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's uh, kudos to the team here who's kept this going. Uh, oh, we just broke 21. We've set a new record, I think, for concurrent viewers. Yeah. They went virtual for a while. Thanks, everybody, that's uh, decided so to many, put their eyes uh, on this. There's so many... I appreciate it. It's like just such a special time. And it's special for Xbox as well. As we've mentioned a few times on the show already, that it's the 10th anniversary of ID at Xbox. I have my ID at Xbox. There it is. He's sporting it. He knew what he was doing. (laughs) I'd love for you to reflect on any, how it's gone over the past 10 years. Uh, Reflect on any uh, memories or moments. What does that mean for a console? Because we started with this silly thing where publishers had two slots of arcade games that they could go do. It was like a, a, a silly policy in xbox opening it up and allowing anybody who submits and actually has good intent mm-hmm. to build a game on the platform has led to some of the best games that have, people forget like that Fortnite actually came yeah. through id at xbox when you ask about like some of the special moments i have to go to games from places where we'd never seen games mm-hmm. from xbox i remember going to the brazil game show and meeting the devs behind eritana i'm probably missing the pronunciation but it's this, I think it was the first Brazilian developed Xbox game. Oh. And it came through ID at Xbox and this team of guys, we were in Sao Paulo and they came together. And- All right. So that was the Phil Spencer interview. One thing I do want to talk about is the very first quest has been revealed and they, they're allowing press to play through it. And when I said there was two different views on two different sides of the Atlantic, I guess I should walk that back. Publications might be on the opposite sides of the Atlantic, but the writers are both from the UK. Uh, so Simon Carty, who is one of the contributors to IGN, who's located uh, in the UK, had this to say about Starfield. Uh, it talked about the first mission. He said the visuals were a noticeable step up for Bethesda Game Studios, but maybe not quite comparable to recent graphical powerhouses. The environments look great, but character models still seem to possess that classic Bethesda stiffness. Um, what follows in the moments you've been waiting for Starfield's first big step out moment. Once created, you're told a constellation contacts about to arrive to buy the artifacts you discovered. So they're talking about like, so this is obviously spoiler warnings. They're to- they totally gave away that first quest. So anything that people have seen in the big long leaks that are out there, totally irrelevant anymore because They've gone ahead and just let the press see it and write about it. You barely have time to soak up the view, however, before the serene sky is rudely interrupted by the approach of the new constellation arrival, a large spaceship blasts in a frame before setting down and lowering its doors. And this is where you get to meet Barrett. Uh, we're then given a very brief tour of the bustling and seemingly sprawling city of New Atlantis, a montage phase between glimpses of coffee shops, gardens, and sci-fi skyscrapers, before we're led into the much more modest and classy wood-decorated surroundings of the Constellation headquarters. You're welcomed by the Explorer group as the demo ends. The adventure has truly begun. So you can really just tell from the tone that Simon, uh, you know, 
sees that it's not perfect. It, there's a potential for, you know, some Bethesda jank, right? Just what we're used to. But it's definitely a step up from what they've done in the past. However, then we have an article from Rock Paper Shotgun that is on the same quest. And their headline is Starfield's opening as a lot of shades of literal gray. <laughs> Space games are basically ready built for the grand reveal. All you need to do is open a shutter and you can reveal unto the player all the wonders of the universe you have built. Be that a giant misty blue planet with a neon green dust ring or purple nebula sweeping across the sky like a bruise and crackling with lightning. Starfield's opening, shown off at Gamescom this week and leaking all over the internet like a calendar used for SMG target practice, does not forgore this moment, but it does say, okay, but what about the grand reveal was entirely in shades of gray, though? Tells you about how you're used to talk to use a mining layer, laser, you find the artifact, and it will jump down to the end. It's like, are we not fascinated by space in part because it represents a great unknown of what can hold countless wonders? Did Star Trek not manage more with a might of a 1960 special effects. I know a lot of you are reading this and furious at me for having this opinion. So furious that you're not even really reading what I'm saying. But if you've been talking about how we can raise the bar recently, you have to believe we can imagine more that our dreams can be beautiful, that you deserve space and technicolor. So that is their thoughts on that's Alice Bell, deputy editor at RPS. And this is the day after they wrote this article on Starfield's new live-action trailer, probably inspires more emotion than the entire game will. And that's not saying much. By Alice O'Connor, Associate Editor. If you're keenly awaiting next month's launch of Starfield, Bethesda's new open-world sci-fi RPG, you can skip the new trailer. It's one of those live-action affairs with CG up the wazoo, complete with an epic cover of Elton John's Rocket Man that would bring a tear to the eye of Zack Snyder. And only Zack Snyder. It does not show the game at all, nor does it capture the thrill of escaping our earthly bonds to find a lot of gray rocks, just like we have at home. But you can catch the trailer below. <laughs> and you can be sure that not a single quest in Starfield will inspire a fraction of the emotion that mawkish thing did. They have not played the game at this point. They haven't touched it. And they're certain that at no point will anything in the game be able to have an emotional reaction with you or you will not be able to have an emotional reaction because of anything within the game. So does anybody want to care to guess the type of articles you're going to see from rock, paper, shotgun about Starfield from here to eternity? Then it says a few minutes after I wrote this silly joke, Zack Snyder appeared live on stage to promote his new movie. Sorry. I think that's my fault. No, we knew he was going to be there. That was not a secret, so I don't think it was your fault. But anyways, the level of snark from this person is uh, next level. Um, I don't know. I think it's a... Uh, I Personally, I wasn't a huge fan of the trailer. I mean, it was okay. I, I thought that there were some interesting bits to it, but I don't know that I'd have gone so far as to just try to massacre it <laughs> like this. It's a tone piece. They made a tone piece. They were trying to set a tone and apparently it was a tone. This, uh, Alice did not like, sorry, Alice. Um, maybe someone could give you a hug. You sound like you need one. All right. 
Other Rob, I volunteer you to go hug Alice. I think it'll involve you having to take a trip to England to do that. So anyways, I did not pull random BS articles to make fun of. This time I found real articles to uh, make fun of because they were just, man, RPS. It'll be interesting to see what we have from them from here on out to see if they ever have anything good to say about it. Be very interesting. But anyways, not to dwell on that, let's go ahead and take a look at something cool. And we have Starfield Game uh, put out a tweet today or a zeet or an X or a post. It's a post. That's it, right? Starfield put out a post today. We're giving away a limited edition Starfield AMD gaming GPU and CPU. Follow and repost for a chance to win. A winner will be messaged on August 30th with their rules. So if you are on the tweeters, in fact, I will copy this and post this into chat. So if you have a Twitter account, I would encourage you to go to that post and click on it. And Godspeed, baby, you win yourself an AMD GPU, CPU. Wave last. Xbox has no games. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or if you're trying to be real. <laughs> the mod blew you up. Thanks for the comment. Uh, if you were trying to be sarcastic, feel free to uh, message back and say you were just joking. If not, I'm sorry you feel that way, but we're not going to sit here and just have a console war in the chat. So anyways, feel free to go ahead to that link and try and win yourself a AMD CPU and GPU. Here are some better pictures of that Starfield suit we saw. These were posted by the ESA. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh... Nope, that did not work. The, <laughs> the Illuminati. All right, so this is a picture of that spacesuit. And I got one more for you. You can see the, instead of having a NASA patch, because they are in Europe, uh, they have an ESA patch. And you always hear them say like NASA punk. Do you, do you ever wonder if they're European uh, staff that are working on this game that are, I guess maybe most of the people that are in the game development are in actually Bethesda or in Texas and not so much outside of North America, but be like, Hey man, we got space agencies too, right? Can you uh, maybe show some love? But anyways, European space agency, it's your time to shine buddies. No more NASA punk. It's ESA punk. You heard it here first. And so this was something that was teased a while back, but we finally got a piece of art for it. Uh, Los Angeles, where dreams come true. Home to Vault 33. This is where we're going to have the Fallout television show. I don't know that I'm really excited. Okay, let me rephrase that. I know that I'm not excited for this. Uh, there's the potential that I'll watch it when it comes out, but LA, really? I mean... Could we not have picked a more interesting place to put this? Why LA? It just, 
I don't know. Do we not have enough shows to take place in that area already? Anywho, Fallout, L.A. There you go. Now, last night, uh, to end up the show, we were watching Adam Savage's part one on them building the spaceship model from scratch. Well, part two came out today. So I see we keep having viewers cycle in and cycle out. That's wonderful. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the show. I really appreciate it. If you have any questions at all about Starfield, please feel free to drop them in the chat. We've had a handful of first-time chatters this evening. Oh, there you go. You're back. Wave last. Can't wait to play. All right. It's good to see you were just just joking. One of the mods was quick on the trigger finger. Yes, it... Uh, it I don't think any of us... We're all in the same boat with you. We all can't wait to play. But thanks for stopping by. Thanks for uh, making a comment. And sorry we uh, we nuked it from outer space. It uh, was it suffered an orbital strike. So here's a question: Do you think we'd get in trouble if we actually, as a group, sat down and watched like I don't know, Event Horizon one night? Do they do that on Twitch? I think I've seen that where people like party watch movies and stuff. I don't know. I'm thinking about doing that in one of the upcoming evenings on the countdown to actually the game launching and going live. Just start like, you know, maybe watch Interstellar one night, watch uh, Event Horizon one evening, just something that, you know, maybe watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, <laughs> maybe see if they copyright strike my channel into oblivion like the day after it becomes an affiliate channel. I'm probably 200. Okay, so with Super excited for Starfield, but Super I'm, excited. I am. So I think I'm on my 15th playthrough. I'm probably 200 hours in, but not on one playthrough. Because, like, I start, we change same game formats, blah, 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 all that stuff. Because so I started in November. But I'm playing, like, I think on my final character playthrough, Total Space Pirate. Man, I'm Total Space Pirate. I think it's more Oblivion than Skyrim for people play. Maybe they'll get that. It is an epic, epic game. Okay, so we're super excited for Starfield. But super I'm, excited. There you go. Still so super excited. Playthrough. I'm probably 200 hours in, but not on one playthrough. Because, like, I start. We Thanks, producer healer. Formats, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I started in November, but I'm playing, like, I think on my final character playthrough, Total Space Pirate. Man, I'm Total Space Pirate. I think it's more Oblivion than Skyrim for people play. Maybe they'll get that. It is an epic, epic game. Do okay, me a favor. So super excited go find the. Uh, I am. Oh, I just played myself right into a commercial. Hey, Kaleidoscope, how are you? We watched that already. Um, this is actually going to be a Dustin Legary interview with... Hey, Mario Off, thanks for the uh, follow. I appreciate that. Because Dustin asked him uh, like how important this was, and he compared it to Gears 1. And I think we, I was messing around and lost it, and I, I don't want that to be lost what the question was and what his answer is. Joining us here on Gamescom Studio, the head of Xbox himself, Phil Spencer. Hey, how's it going? Going well. Uh, it's good to have you here on the set to talk about Xbox. It's awesome to be here at Gamescom. I haven't been since 2017. Really? So, yeah. You, were you here last year? Nope. I skipped last year. I am, like, just jazzed. It's so cool to see everybody, and it's fantastic to be at Gamescom. I guess the biggest consumer game show on the planet. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, you know what else is cool to see? That what? Starfield presentation that you and Todd introed a little bit ago. It's all Todd. Yeah. I was uh, there to intro Todd. Yeah. That's my job. <laughs> you were the setup guy. I carry his bag and I intro him. Uh, Starfield's a huge moment for Xbox, obviously. When is the last time Xbox has had a moment this big? 
I think, every, well, I think everything, every month, every time we're doing something that uh, changes, hopefully enhances a customer's experience on Xbox is important. You think about big new IP that has launched on the platform. Um, I might go back to like, I'm just doing I'm like Gears 1. Okay, so he started off his answer because Destin's like, this is a big moment. What, you know, has been, what is this comparable to like previously? And he was very political at first and he was like, you know, every time that we do something that enhances the way a player plays that he feels is a big moment. And then he, then he committed and said, went to gears one. And that's kind of like his comparison point at this. And gears one was a, a huge, the launch of a huge franchise for Xbox, because I mean, that's one of the few, I think to me anyways, IPs that resonates as a Xbox, you know, gears of war. Halo, Gears of War, you know, Forza now, but it wasn't always the case. I, I really struggle, and I think most of us probably do, like to, a game. to say, yeah, that's a that's an Xbox property, <laughs> because they don't they don't really have a whole lot that are uh, that memorable. But now they're gonna have Starfield, and this is actually why I argue that I think Starfield is one of the most important games ever. For the Xbox, it's not just of this year of this console generation. I think this is one of the defining IP launches that they're going to have uh, for the last for the previous twenty years. Game that is brand new, new IP. It's Todd's first game, and the BGS team as part of Xbox launching on the platform. It's a big moment, and I'm proud that we were able to give them time um, and really really happy with the results you have a build yeah but you're not playing because you're working i don't know what i'm allowed to say about it so i don't want to break embargo did it i have turned it on that's an embargo break like oh no <laughs> well that was pretty funny he baited destin destin's like i don't know what i can say because you know he's like you've got a build and he's like yeah he's like i don't know what i can say and he's like have you lo loaded it up and destin's like yes that's an embargo break I'm that was pretty good. Now. Oh, well. Sorry, Todd. Uh, <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3 is the talk of the town right now. Great game. You know, uh, this RPG comes along, kind of takes the internet by storm. Do you think it's set expectations for Starfield, or did it steal a little bit of the thunder? Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with Starfield. Um, I mean, great games coming out. It's, it's a good thing for the industry. First, congrats to Larian and the team. I think it's like, what, a 97-rated game or somebody or something. As somebody who finished the original Baldur's Gate wow. and Baldur's Gate 2, and what was the expansion for Baldur's Gate 1, Forgotten Shores? Shadow's Mom. Like, I'm a huge Baldur's Gate fan. Uh, and to see a team spend the time to make, I think, a true next iteration of a classic gaming franchise is always just great for the industry. Speaking of next iterations, you know, Skyrim... So there have been people that have pointed this out and I, I don't, um, there have been a lot of multi-platform games that are coming out that IGN has been leaving off the Xbox. And I know that there's like, they're, they're not, but it, it's funny. People have been pointing this out and I'm seeing it now. Baldur's Gate 3 um, 
it hasn't been and even the CEO of Larian Studios is denying it's like it's, he's like it's not exclusive to the PlayStation 5. It's going to be out on the Xbox. It just doesn't have a a release date yet, but it's still going to be coming to the Xbox. But here IGN clearly states that Baldur's Gate 3 is coming to PlayStation 5 and PC. And what's coming to all of them. It came out what 12 years ago just at the anniversary edition and it's been supported by an amazing modding community. Yeah. Has the same thought been put towards Starfield and supporting it into the future? Absolutely, and I don't want to disclose what the team has been thinking about, but obviously when you're BGS and you've seen the legs and the support that Skyrim gets even today, right, when you look at what the modders have done, um, it went into the thinking about what Starfield should be and like proof will be out in terms of how people re receive the game, but our hope is that it is another game that's around a decade plus longer uh, later after it launches and people are still enjoying it. Uh, I think the last time you were in the hot seat was over. Is this the hot seat? Can't wait to see what the modders do with this game. I didn't really get into a whole lot of the modding for Skyrim. Um, just by the time that it really got up and going. I had kind of moved on and was doing other things, but definitely I'll be going ankle deep in the different mods that we have for Starfield as soon as, as soon as they get out there. Right now. Yeah, hot okay, seat okay. over here on uh, IGN. Uh, but you were at the, our friends kind of funny and doing the, the X cast around yeah. the launch of Redfall, yeah. which you know was obviously problematic at launch. Have any internal processes or procedures been changed to make sure that sort of uh, reaction or issue doesn't arise again. I think this is a very diplomatic question from Destin. I think it was a good question to ask. And, um, I'm glad they didn't shy away from presenting them with this. Well, we're always learning in everything we do. No doubt about that. I would say that, and I, I've shared some of this, but with Redfall. And you can also tell that Phil is very used to getting questions similar to this and definitely has talking points close to the vest to answer this. Cause he just dives right in. It was more of us not using our internal processes that were in place already, just because of when integration happened. I'm not using COVID as an excuse, but you know, we, we did close the ZeniMax acquisition and then everybody got sent home and it was just not as easy as maybe some of the earlier companies, uh, studios that we'd acquired in terms of integrating in our process, but that's all on us. So I'm, I'm not trying to deflect any of the, the criticism. Um, but absolutely, anytime we launch anything, and we're, we're going to learn from the launch of Starfield, we're going to learn from the launch of Forza, and we re reevaluate our process because we, we want to make sure we're exceeding customers' expectations with everything we do. Yeah, I'm always sort of curious about that. Like, what causes that result? Like, is it the cert process? Is it like what wall is hit where that sort of stuff is missed? So I appreciate you being candid about it. Yeah, and I'd say one of the things that was helpful for us with Starfield was our long working relationship with BGS, which you know well. Like if you go back to wow. original Xbox, like in what we've done with those teams. So the relationship between Todd, BGS, and our platform team was just stronger than it was with Harvey, not because of, and the team at Arcane, not because of anything other than just relationships. Like we've just known them longer. Um, so Todd brought in the eight in the team, brought in the ATG group early to start working on Starfield. And that's on us. Like we should have done that with Arcane. Um, we should have helped them more in the development process and also just made it clear that shipping a first party game has a different level of expectation mm -hmm. that, um, that it's not always true that every 
team that comes into being part of a first party is is aware of when it launches. Feel great about where we are with Starfield. You know, we put out the review the review codes um, last. So this is like the third time today we've seen either Phil or Pete talk about how they've sent the review codes out two weeks early. And again, projecting the confidence in the product that they know they got a good game and they feel so confident in the fact that they have a good game that they're willing to send out those review codes two weeks earlier to the different you know media outlets and the content creators, the influencers to really have them get their hands on the games and be able to form opinions. Last week, so we're giving reviewers plenty of time to spend time with the game, and I think all of that's just a sign of the confidence that we have. You tricked me into breaking embargo. Thanks. That's a lot. right. Yeah. That's right. You're done. No, no. <laughs> no uh, we we do really appreciate um, people playing and giving us feedback, like the build that. I mean, Phil, if you want more people playing, I would gladly take a key. You have, you yeah. know, it's not actually the final build, um, so we're always taking feedback and, and and refining back in, and this is an important part of the process. So. Thank you for at least loading the game. Oh, <laughs> I played like an hour, but okay. you know, I got this whole. I got an interview with <laughs> Phil Spencer to plan for. Uh, another game here, though, that we got CBCD was uh, Forza Motorsport. Yes, you're showing off the Italian track. Yeah, I can't remember the name, name off the top of my head, but uh, big improvement graphically from what we saw at Summer of Gaming. I am curious, though, what are your thoughts on how Forza Motorsport sets itself apart? I'll start with Turn 10. I think from the beginning of Turn 10, when that studio was formed, they've always been. So he's going to talk about Forza for a little bit. I'm just going to skip ahead because I'm not that concerned about Forza. Basically, Forza is a great way to show technical programs. Like, no, we want this to be a place that people feel like they can invest their time. We're going to have more beats to talk about more of what we do because. More about the rest of 2023. What else do I have? On? South of Midnight. Perfect. In Forza Motorsport for years to come. You've had a ton of reviews. I will summarize what we just kind of skipped, though, too, because this Forza Motorsports did have a numerical on it, and they dropped it. Um, and they were like, are you going to move towards a platform as a service? And they're like, no, we just don't want to have the number on it because we want people to come and play this and you know, not feel like their time is limited and feel like they have ownership. And, you know, it kind of like a platform, but not feel like they're just waiting for the next numbered entry to drop later on reveals you avowed was revealed yeah. um what else do i have on south of midnight perfect dark south of midnight i'm looking yeah, forward to south of midnight i thought that one looked really sacrifice. great artistically uh, can you tell us more about the rest of 2023 and beyond and sort of like what that's looking like for xbox what I can say is we're going to have more beats to talk about more of what we do because the content lineup is so strong. And I, I say that completely recognizing that 2022 wasn't so strong. Uh, but you know, we have our biggest booth here at Gamescom and we have a huge presence. I think there's like 30 plus playable games on our floor. A lot of first party games, Towerborn's here, Aura's here, obviously Forza. So like, it's awesome to see the footprint that we have in the game portfolio from our first party, from partners, from Game Pass, all of it. So I think what you're gonna see from us, where maybe the last couple of years we've been more on an annual, in terms of when we talk about our games around, I still call it E3, around the E3 timeframe. This year we did Developer Direct in January, we did our showcase, we're here in a big, the biggest we've ever been at Gamescom, and you're gonna see more regular um, times to talk about our games because we just, the portfolio is deep enough that we can support that. Matt Booty promised us four. Yeah. Are you on track? For this year? 
Well, let's see specifically yeah. what he said. Yeah. Four first party per year. We, we more than that this year. If we start with Hi-Fi, uh, Minecraft Legends, Redfall, maybe people don't want to give us credit for Redfall. I get it, but like, <laughs> I, but like, I understand. Uh, Starfield, Forza. We just dropped H4 console last night. Yeah. Awesome. I'm gonna play that. Um, and then going into next year, absolutely. Like we, we have talked about it as an aspiration. And so one of those he just mentioned was Age of Empires Four for the console. They shadow dropped that yesterday. Um, they just had a trailer and then, yep, it's on game pass, which, uh, it's been out for the PC for the longest time, but they just shadow drops it onto the console. Now we talk about it as our plan. Okay. Got it. Big news, everybody. I don't know if you heard final fantasy 14 is finally coming to Xbox. I got to go to the show. It was was really cool. Yeah. I've been covering that story for like a decade. Like yeah. since, my, since I started at IGN. We're You've been a proponent for it. Yeah, I've want, like that community is so welcoming. It's an amazing, awesome. amazing awesome. community. Being there with the, in the yeah. at the Final Fantasy Fan Fest thing was was awesome. The first time I'd ever been. It's just incredible. And and they're stoked about it coming to Xbox. And so is Yoshi, which is great. Yeah. 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 Now you hinted that other games did i hint become. or was it the ceo well, of square that the hinted? ceo of square okay. i just want to make sure who was clear on who was hinting so where's final fantasy 7 are we going to get 16 what does that mean i recognize that when people buy an xbox they want to make sure the great games that they want to play are coming and there have been if there's any publisher out there where that hasn't been true square is one of the top profiles so like Sarah Bond and I know, like fly to Tokyo, have conversations, and we've spent a lot of time with Square. There's obviously business deals and relationships that will have to get worked through on certain games, but I'll say it was really great to have the CEO of Square and Yoshi there be um, to just talk about their commitment to Xbox. Because I can say, like, I'm the head of Xbox, blah, blah, blah. But having the CEO of one of the third parties make a commitment to the platform, I thought was a really meaningful step. So you'll hear more. I'm not going to push them. Like, they're going to have to find their own rhythm. Uh, but it, having him make a commitment to Xbox was really important, both to me, and I've heard it from the community, to the community as well. So uh, hopefully we're going to see more of Square Enix's games make their way to Xbox sooner rather than later because, you know, the CEO of Square Enix kind of committed himself to that at FanFest in Vegas just a uh, few days ago. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, that's Phil Spencer. He's the head of Xbox. He comes off as a very humble guy. He really falls on his own sword when it's time to you know, take responsibility for something. Uh, yeah. So he seems like a pretty legit and genuine dude. Um, yeah. So kudos to Phil. Uh, I think he's done a pretty good job of PR wise of handling the whole Redfall situation. I know that was a little bit of a black eye for them, even though he's kind of had win after win after win since he took over for Xbox. Except for like last year, 2022 was not a very good game. Good year for games. Not a good year for games in general, but definitely a very dry year for Xbox. Uh, one thing he did have uh, pretty funny later on in the second part of this interview, which I don't have, um, is Destin asked Phil about how Game Pass seems to be a hard sell for some executives, in particular Bobby Kotick from Activision Blizzard, and getting things like Call of Duty 
onto Game Pass. And he asked him how he's going to go about doing that. And Phil kind of looked and was like, well, uh, somebody else will be in charge, referring to himself. So it doesn't matter what Bobby thinks or says because it matters what Phil thinks at the end of the day once that deal is closed. And they are committed to driving value for Game Pass. So they're going to continue to see all first-party games arrive on Game Pass. And ATVI, or he was calling them uh, AKB, Activision, or ABK, Activision Blizzard King, all of their games will make their way to Game Pass. So hurrah for Game Pass. I continue to assert it is the best value in gaming uh, for both console and PC because there's quite a few wonderful games on PC Game Pass as well. Uh, that said, it is almost 10 o'clock and it's about time in where I'm at. It's about time for me to drop. It's been great streaming these last three nights. Thanks for everybody that's continued to drop in and say hello. I am probably going to be off for the next few evenings unless they have some major news come out of gamescom and then i'll hop on for a little bit to talk about that uh other than that the next time i'm scheduled to be on is monday and we'll be even closer to starfield then so if i don't see you before then everybody have a wonderful weekend and i'll talk to you again on monday